Hello and welcome to Busy in the Sticks Chamber Podcast. My name is Tammy Ricks, CEO and your host today. Baseball fever was in the air in April 1977. As president of Labatt's Breweries of Canada, Don McDougall spent three years tirelessly working to acquire the Major League Baseball franchise, the Blue Jays. Four decades later, he would own an aerospace company that manufactured parts from the Canada Arm and the International Space Station, parts that still circle around the planet today. Don McDougall's involvement in the aerospace industry was but one of a multitude of endeavors that captured his attention as he evolved into an entrepreneur, a philanthropist, and a loyal Prince Edward Island son. The title of the book is Business, Get It Done, Have Some Fun, by his friend Gary McDougall. Welcome, Don. Thank you. It's a pleasure, and it's an honor to have you here today. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you for for all that you have done uh, and contributed to society. I had the pleasure of of reading your book already, and uh, I was especially excited for all that you've done and brought to West Prince. So thank you for our beautiful new development at Mill River. Well, it's my roots, as you would have gathered from reading the book. Well, we're glad you came back. So tell us a little bit about yourself. You're the oldest of six children, and uh, your wife, Marion, and you have... uh, Five children, and how many grandchildren? Eleven. Eleven grandchildren. I understand that one of them wants to play Why Me, Lord, at your celebration of life. (laughs) (laughs) He's the one who has been living with us a bit. Is that right? Just started to UPI this week. Okay. He was a little frustrated listening to Why Me (laughs) so regularly. (laughs) That was all summer. (laughs) That was cute. That that took me back. Uh, that took me back to when I used to play the old records for my parents. So, no, that was just adorable. Your father, Frank, he was from Richmond. From Richmond, and uh, I guess before that, McDougal's Corner, which is Grand River. Okay. Um, my grandma, his mother was in McClellan, so our roots are fairly deep in the Grand River, Richmond area. All right. Uh, Richmond was home because his father was a railway man, as... He became himself. So he uh, was with the Canadian National Railway. Right. That was his career. And your mother now, Patricia? She came from here, uh, up west, that is. She's a Callahan. Callahan from Ebsleet. Okay. uh, And uh, and, uh, was a school teacher. Um, In the course of moving around teaching school, she was teaching in Richmond, and that's where the romance began. Uh Uh-huh. Moved a lot because Dad, as a station agent uh, in the Depression years, uh, had to move. Okay. I should say had to move, but he was junior, so he wanted to move to improve his positions. So I was born in Emerald. Okay. Uh, We lived in Kensington, and then we moved to Port Hill. So how old were you when you moved to Port Hill? Moved to Port Hill when I was five. When you were five, okay. And then we moved to Bloomfield when I was eight. When you were eight. And I always say, Say Bloomfield is home because that's where I was right through until I finished university. And Bloomfield was the happening station back in the day. It, it was the happening place. It was, and uh, it's important to have that context because <laughs> we had 
four stores, Holy Store, the Pratt Store, the Glenn Store, and the Co-op Store. Wow, I don't we, even think I knew that. We it, had the A-grading station. We had uh, a petty warehouse. We had, of course, the, the railway station, yes. the post office. Uh, so it was, we didn't have the professional services, lawyers mm-hmm. and doctors and so on, but we did have pretty well everything else. All the trade and goods that you need to... And everything was by... Everything, virtually everything was by horse train. and wagon or, yes. or by train. Mm-hmm. And as a result, the people in the area would come in there to do their shopping and so on. That was the, the center. That was the center. Uh, it was a big trip to go to Albert and O'Leary. Is that we right? Went, uh. went to Albert and O'Leary to watch a hockey game or a horse race. You know. So what's what would your fondest memory of growing up in Bloomfield be? Well, it's funny. Now that you know I'm much older and I look back on it, it was really an idyllic environment. Like when I look at look back at Bloomfield as the place I grew up, mm-hmm. all kinds of people say they're on the one room school. It's almost like you climbed a mountain to get out of there and have some success. I don't see it that way at all. Uh, I see it as have been, having been an advantage. And the reason is because you know, you have to kind of remember there was no television. That's no right. electricity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we were in a, in a in a situation where you made your own fun. Weren't you and, part of that help of bringing electricity there? <laughs> That's a separate little story, but yes. But but the the because of the way the community had to entertain itself, if you will, everybody learned to get along. Mm-hmm. So you were you were at your age group, but also you worked. Uh, you you fitted in with with seniors very well because they like for example I always said you know try to talk about you know it takes a village to, <laughs> to raise <laughs> raise a child that's right but you know the parents of the day I would have as much fear about Jack Foley saying Donald don't do that as I would my parents you know? yes there was no thought of he should mind his own business. It's not his son. You know? That's right. There, there where that where we have that today. Yeah, they have mm-hmm. more of that for sure. Too much. So yes. the, the the community was really uh, a great way to kind of round off the rough edges that all of us have as we grow up through our teenage years. And I think it's much tougher today for parents and for teenagers. Oh, I think it is uh, too. To 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 get the, those lessons. And they're life lessons. They last you through time. Well, I think it just takes them longer, right? I yeah. think if they never had uh, what you had and, and with, you know, that interaction and with community and with family and other elders, they learn so much and so much quicker too, you know? And it seems to be taking our children a bit longer to learn a lot of life uh, lessons. So so it was a good memory in, in Bloomfield growing up. You stayed up here till, so you grew up here till you till you went away to school. Yeah, I graduated from the one-room school, which meant I got through grade 10. Grade 10, okay. <laughs> there were three of us. So what was the saying? Grade 8? What was the saying in the book? If you uh, well, had grade 8? Grade 8 was was a point at which a lot of the he students stopped. Stopped, yes. Because that was enough education. Right. Uh, and to go on to be a fisherman, a farmer, whatever, at least he was deemed to be. Right. Uh, grade 10... It was an op- you got the opportunity then to go on to grade 11 and 12. Okay. But because we're in a small community, as opposed to Somerset or Charlestown, we had to move out of the community to go. So to finish. It was a, it was a pretty big filter. There was lots of people who couldn't 
could afford mm-hmm. to go away. And you're still so young. And, you know, we're 14 years old. Like in my case, I left when I was 14. Okay, very uh, young. To go to Charlottetown uh, to live in bo- boarding school there. So uh, my classmates were Fenton Shaw and Roy Hardy, and neither of them went on went to on university. To so attending St. Dunstan's University, was was that with the help of your parents' decision? Yes, uh, very much so. It was very clear throughout my upbringing the importance of education. Uh, it's a cultural thing. Uh, it was deeply rooted, particularly in my mother's family, who were, uh, you know, her mother, her mother was a Hogan, and uh, her father, obviously, Peter Callahan, was her father. Mm-hmm. Uh, her brother, Merritt, was a well-respected school inspector in the area. Uh, she had sisters who were teachers. I have so a education pic- all around you. Yeah, yeah, I have a picture of the Hogan family in North Cape. They were in the lighthouse in North Cape mm-hmm. in the 1890s. A picture, it was at a uh, 50th wedding anniversary. And in the family, they had a priest, they had a doctor, they had two nuns, and they had teachers. Is that right? And I'm, and I'm thinking, in 1890, in North Cape, that would have that's, taken some challenge. That's pretty amazing, amazing. when you think of it. <laughs> and, and, and so the, clearly the education gene, if you will, or preoccupation came down through the generations. Well, that's wonderful. So uh, I never was allowed to think about you never not thought going it, And you beyond. never thought any different then? No. You never thought I just different. assumed. They assumed, and I assumed that I would go on to high school, to, to get my high school diploma. So let's talk a little bit about business. So uh, your book entitled Business Get It Done. And there's so many stories, like I said, the, the, just the uh, the multitude of uh, business deals and endeavors that you were involved in was just, I was even... Uh, amazed when I read it. I mean, I, I knew a brief background of you and heard uh, many stories, but uh, uh, you've been busy over the years. <laughs> and so I applaud your wife, Marion, who has supported <laughs> all of your business deals <laughs> and workings. Um, but uh, let's talk a little bit about what was the best business deal that you had ever made? Well, first of all, uh, I'm glad you mentioned Marion because it certainly has been a team effort. Yes. There are references to the book from others. Yes. Uh, referring to her as the angel and uh, appropriately. I think the, you know, my first career in business was as a professional manager. That was my Labatt background. I joined them as a trainee and I came up through the organization. So I had the benefit of pretty good mentoring and training and coaching. And that's when you traveled out west? That's, that's yeah, we moved know. a lot in mm-hmm. the first 10 years, and I had a very good career with Labatt's, mm-hmm. and it was a very good company to be with. So that was an important foundation to my... And you were there, you what, know, 20 years? 20 years. 20 years, yeah. Uh, then, after a brief hiatus, I ended up with a partner buying Novatronics, which we had for 20 years. Novatronics would have to be my most uh, successful okay. venture. Uh, we bought at a very good price, as you can tell. The total between the two of us, we had a hundred twenty thousand dollars, which was sixty thousand dollars each, and we bought the company uh, in 
a leveraged buyout from a very wonderful uh, owner who I think uh, had more faith in us than we had in ourselves. And, uh, because you knew nothing built, about it. Well, I didn't know anything of the aerospace business. It wasn't a business we had familiarity with. My partner, who was an engineer and had the, uh, had the capacity okay. to understand what, what it was all about, but they also had good people working for the place, so we were able to make that kind of assessment. While we didn't, neither one of us had a background in aerospace, uh, the company was well established. It, uh, its roots went back to UK, your okay. head in the UK, and uh, they had good people on the ground at the plant. It was in a large, large uh, firm. A large it, well, not large, but they would have had 75, well, that's 85 a lot. people. Yeah, that's a lot of people. Uh, and uh, they had established markets and so on. So it wasn't as uh, big a risk, risk on that side. The, mm -hmm. the, the issues all were around uh, sales, market, mm -hmm. competing, because uh, we, we had to make a judgment about our ability to compete. Most of the people in the sensor actuator indicator business, which is the business we were in, sensors, actuator, indicators, and motors, okay. were the business we were in. Uh, that were other private companies. Now, they were in the UK and they were in the US, not no other ones in Canada, but, but they were privately owned and smaller, okay. like ourselves. And the technology was probably moving pretty fast, too. The, the technology, yes, but uh, not much new gets put on an airplane. Okay. Uh, like the, it, it's proven somewhere else pretty thoroughly before they will put the part, okay. uh, put it into a part that goes on an aircraft. And we should be grateful for that. <laughs> uh, so it's I'm trying not, not to think about that it, when I'm flying. <laughs> it, it's not that, yeah. uh, it's, it's not uh, like, I wouldn't call it high tech. Now, when we talk about the motors we used in the space station, yes, those, that's, a, that's a different right. uh, dimension and an extension from where we were. Uh, but the company itself was, I would say, pretty well established in the, with the product. It must have been yeah. exciting for you. You must have learned a great deal. Like Yes, and uh, you know, my background was and is, I guess, uh, much more on the marketing sales side and on the HR side. Those are uh, what I strengths I think I bring to a business. Mm -hmm. uh, it would be the strengths I would say I bring to the River Resort too. You know, that's my value added, if you will. Well, that kind of leads us on to the next question. Um, you know, your particular characteristics or your trait that you possess. Um, do you do you think uh, were the most helpful in landing in, in landing a deal? What you just talked about. Uh, <coughs> Some of it I would go back to Bloomfield. <laughs> back to Bloomfield, okay. <laughs> like, uh, I think that uh, you can tell with a number of these deals, they took a long time. You'd have to be very patient. You know, like, even if you take Mill River, mm -hmm. uh, we made our initial offer to buy Mill River in 2012. We yeah. actually signed in January 2017. That's five that's, years. That's five years. That's a long time. It's a, quite a while. Yeah. Uh, and the, in the case of Novatronics, I was on the board there for two and a half years before the owner decided to want to sell. Okay. And then when he decided to sell, I knew the company pretty well. I knew the people, I knew the company, I knew the markets. 
I had a pretty good idea about, the co- about where we fit, where the company fitted, mm-hmm. and we went through a period uh, of negotiations even after that. So it wasn't like driving in, kicking tires, and making an offer, and driving out. It's, so do you have that feeling or that just that sense of uh, you just know how to ride that deal? Like how? Well, I th- well the reason why I refer back to, to here, uh, it goes back to my upbringing, but where you really have to be a good listener and you have to be patient. You know, like patience is a very important virtue very. in putting a deal together. And uh, there are so many people who... Uh, can't see the other person's point of view. Yeah. And, you know, I've, as you know, we're talking about success here, but have the others too. I've had the ones where I didn't do it right mm-hmm. and failed. And I look back at what did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. And invariably it was, you know, lo- losing patience or getting over anxious or not paying enough attention to a pothole that was staring in the face. Yeah. That kind of thing. No, it's true. Listening, and I mean, we all try and teach patience to our children. It's something that we all have to kind of learn to do more is, is listen. So growing up in, in a rural area like Bloomfield, PEI, mo- more important for the values it instilled in you or for the desire it created to make it beyond its dirt roads? It's very much the values. It was never a plan that I would do this and this and this. It all just, it, it, it like just I, fell into place. I looked for a job when I finished university, mm-hmm. and I was offered a job at the Bats, and I took it. You know, like, it wasn't complicated, or it wasn't some kind of grand vision, or I didn't take it because I thought I'd be president. I, taught, I took it because I did trust uh, that I would get a really good opportunity. Mm-hmm. I knew the company a, a little bit because I'd worked there in the summer, and I had great confidence in the leadership. Yeah. So... You know, there were good reasons, but it wasn't like I had this narrow focus of where I wanted to be. The same thing would be true with the business interests I got involved in. The values that it were instilled in me in family and, and, and community and church all contributed to, I think, who I am. Uh, ambition, uh, from my point of view, has always been sort of... A, I have the same ambition in business as I have on the golf course. I like keeping score. And if it happens? And and, and I like improving the score. So okay, improving upon <laughs> So so it's not it's not like uh, So it's against it, yourself. Yeah. It, it's it's not like I to me, I I can't imagine playing golf and not keeping score. And not keep I can't imagine being in business and not knowing what the sales were, exactly. what the margins yes. are. But the profit is, you know, I, I just have to know that data. Well, it's done you it's done you well and served you well. Whose idea was it to kind of compile this this beautiful book of yours and, and tell your life story? Well, uh, Retromedia, really, Larry uh, Rosniski, who's the uh, principal of, of Retromedia, uh, they had done 20 books, but many of them are around horse racing. Uh, but they did a book on Wayne Gray, who was, uh, was kind of analogous to the book that here, and it was written by the same author. Gary. So uh, Larry was certainly the driving force was in Larry? persuading me okay. that I should. Uh, was agree. it hard? Was it hard for you to do? Uh, it was. It was hard until he kind of uh, 
explain the role because really, uh, once you say yes, you have to submit yourself to the interviews. But really, it's painless. I mean, Gary would show up with his, you know, tape, and uh, we'd chat for a couple of hours, oh, and he'd go away, and uh, you know, we did that maybe half a dozen times. Is that right? And uh, and out of it, he managed to get a book. Oh, so are there any details about yourself that you were concerned about revealing through this this whole project? Well, the honest answer would be yes. There are lots of things I would not be revealing in a book, <laughs> but the one I was most concerned about was that the book not be focused on family. That it was a business book, mm-hmm. and that it was about my career. Uh, you know, yes, we have five kids. Yes, we have eleven grandkids. Well, yes, we've had a wonderful, wonderful. I found that very interesting, though the whole family, the starting out of you know the history of your yeah. your your parents and and uh, their lifestyle and everything. That was very interesting. Yeah, though. but uh, I I was nervous at the beginning that it would get into uh, uh, that somehow or other you're bragging about the kids. We're very proud of them. Oh, of course. Of course. But the, the, it's not about them, as you can tell. Yes. Uh, and uh, it's not about our parenting either. So it's very much about me, my career, and the jobs, the different jobs. Uh, one of the quotes um, I remember reading is, is stepping up, uh, and you say, some people are problem identifiers, and there are lots of those people, but you are an opportunity seeker. That's a good you're quoting the mayor of Stratford there. Is that who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and, uh, and he, uh, I think that's true. Uh, uh, I, I plead guilty to uh, being a serial entrepreneur. <laughs> I'm, I'm not very good at saying no we when I see that. opportunities. Uh, so the answer is yes. I think to be successful in business, you do have to have an eye for opportunity. You have to have your eye out there all the time, eh? And I have found that you start out to do that, uh, and it's, you're clearly focused on that, and then all of a sudden, over here is yeah. an opportunity that's really, if you don't focus on it, mm-hmm. it's probably bigger than what you started out with. So take you a look around. You, keep your, you have to yeah. keep your antenna yeah. up for the opportunities around the central piece. Well, it's easy for people to just pick the problems out, and it's not always easy to kind of find those opportunities. This has to do with Mill River, but it's, it's sort of how, how you can learn from others. One of your members, Spencer Myers, mm-hmm. we know as the plumber, right? Yes. Uh, this is back in 16. He's at my place in Pimney Ash, Hemsley. And he said, uh, I knew we were buying Mill River, and he said... Uh, God, if you want to make some money, I've got a suggestion. Now, none of us really thought of Spencer as an economist, right? Mm-hmm. He, he says <laughs> to, to me, uh, I said, well, I'm very interested in figuring out what you answer. He said, if you've got Mill River, the way you make a lot of money is you focus on the kids. He said, all of us as parents are crazy about our kids. We'll spend any amount of money oh, on our kids. Well, they we'll they'll buy them lessons. We'll buy them equipment. We'll buy them shirts. We'll buy them anything. So you focus on the kids. You'll make a lot of money. So then you brought in the golf. Well, then we decided that we were a resort with 
family orientation. Yes. We put a 12 months in place year-round. That's right. And you, a no, winter program. always seasonal. That's right. A winter program, which, and if you look at us now, we're very much a family-centered resort. Winter tourism. No, I, I haven't thanked Spencer except through this podcast. Well, you can thank him here right now, Don. <laughs> thank you, Spencer. <laughs> but, but... It, it, so that got you all thinking. All I'm of, saying is you have to be, you have to learn from whoever it wants to offer help. Advice. And I think there was another quote in the book you had said um, with mentors, they don't always tell you what you want to hear. That's right. Right. It's what you should hear. But it's what you should hear. So, so that was the start of the winter tourism at Mill River. No, so throughout the book there was recurring themes and uh, references to business, religion, family, and politics. You know, how would you prior prioritize these? I see them as quite different: family and religion, and to a certain extent, community uh, are foundational. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, if you are who you are as a result of that. I really believe the character that. is built. Believe then. that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the, the business and politics happen to be two passions of mine mm -hmm. uh, that I pursued, having a good foundation. So I see them as different uh, qualities, but they are they are synergistic, if you will. So uh, yes, I would say they all played a part, but they're really quite different. They certainly did, and and I'll go back to Mary, and, and I think there was another quote in the book that um, you had said she knew her role, um, and you could not have accomplished all that you have done without your angel. How important is that, um, to have that partner um, understand their role so that you can work together as a team for your family? Well, uh, <coughs> critically important to be the team. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of empathy for families today compared to like when sometimes when we talk about the role mm -hmm. that Mary's role was was homemaker she was and, a mother and yeah. she was she was mother but she was you know she ran she was the domestic she engineer ran the household. She, she ran everything pretty she was well the wife. except yes. I I was the breadwinner but she was the Homemaker, and she and you moved around a lot, right? You, you well, we moved to seven cities in in uh, the first twelve years. Yeah, so that's incredible when uh, the children were yeah, all young, all so. around the country. <gasps> so, uh, and in that seven cities had ten houses. You know, so, uh, it how was, much moving she had to do know, and packing and we, up? And, and we <laughs> that's had, what I'm thinking about. And we had five kids and five children during that. Incredible. So, as the book describes it. It seems that a great deal of your success has come from your ability to balance all of those four elements we talked about, business, religion, family, and politics, and incorporate their core principle into your decision-making. Would you agree? Yes. Again, I would, I would make that distinction between the foundational... Of religion and family uh, which, and community. Which was there for mm -hmm. early. Uh, the other pursuit of my ambitions in business and politics... Uh, more successful, you should point out, in business than in politics. But, uh, <laughs> that didn't take away from well, my passion for both. You attempted it, Don. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think that they, I think they were very complementary. I don't see. Maybe them it as, was for the wrong color. Do you think? <laughs> <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> Uh, so besides meeting your wife Marion there um, at St. Dunstan's University. 
What else was one of your fondest memories there while studying? I was there for two years of high school and four years of university. That's right. So you were there a long time, yeah, six right. years. <laughs> I have to always explain that it didn't take six years to do the four. I, I did have two years of high no, school. They sent you away when you were 14. <laughs> you were so young. Uh, St. Nelson's was a very unusual, uh, very special place for us, or for me. Uh, and again, whether it was upbringing or the community or what, in my roots, uh, I had no trouble at all adjusting to university. Uh, and the, all the things that lots of people find irritating, I did. I, I liked it all. I liked the discipline, mm -hmm. you know, like you're out of bed at 7 in the morning, you have mass routine. at 7.30, yeah, the routine. you have breakfast at 8, you have class at 9, you have class at 2 3, and then you're it's out playing sports. And they and then by nine o'clock you're heading for bed or nine thirty. I loved all of that, and uh, I fitted into it well. And I played, uh, you know, sports I'd never played before. I didn't play football up here. I played, you know, hockey and baseball. That was it. That's right. That's all. Uh, uh, but there I got into football. There I got into debating, uh, other intramural sports, and other social activities. Other uh, you were uh, an all-around good sportsman. There wasn't uh, one preference uh, uh, that no, you... No, I really, I really liked the whole thing. And when I look back on my years there, <laughs> I can't remember any unhappy times. Is that right? It's, uh, I can't... I'm sure I must have been unhappy writing exams. <laughs> you know, I must have been unhappy. I got through. I wasn't a star student. We had lots of students, lots of people in our class that were... You know, really so you did well in school? Did well enough to get through. Yeah. Uh, I When I tell my grandkids that it's important that they get at least 51, and if they don't get 65, they shouldn't worry oh, about it. I don't get much. <laughs> uh, I get a quite, quite big frown from their parents. <laughs> yeah, they want more. They want. If I would have ever said 51. 51 doesn't sound Well, my good. husband would always say, just pass. Just get over. I'm like, no, they got to do better than pass. <laughs> So going back to the debater, I heard you were quite a, the accomplished debater, uh, even pitting your wits against a future prime minister, and that was Brian Mulroney, was it? Right. Yes. So do you think uh, uh, we are losing the essence of a good debate in our current political system? Well, I think the whole idea of the debate is kind of gone. I mean, we've just witnessed the power of social media we ever we didn't witness it before we witnessed it this Get, week this weekend i know it scares <laughs> me if i ever <laughs> the social media is, is hugely important now for sure uh you know i got into debating and we were fortunate enough to uh, won and, and be uh that's right uh, win the national debate won the national 57 that's right and then uh, yes we debated uh X in the fall of 57 uh i don't know whether it it was the debate or the case of beer we took Brian Mulroney's room <laughs> that established the friendship. But anyway, it lasted a lifetime. Probably a little bit of both. <laughs> well, that's awesome. No. So your parents were pretty proud of you for the, bringing home that trophy. Yes, uh, it was a big thing. It was a big at, thing. At St. Dunstan. I wouldn't say such a big thing in Bloomfield. I mean, it was, uh, you know, People recognized it as an accomplishment, and yes, within the family. Mm -hmm. 
but not national. But but it it was uh, for sure uh, within the university world in which I was operating. It was, it was a very big very deal. Good. Very big deal. So, is there any piece of advice? or strategy that you've picked up from a mentor, and you've had a few, that you adopted to help you get your team members to buy into any of your plans? Well, I, I don't know whether it was a particular mentor or whether I, I think of it as more coming out of my 20 years at Labatt's, uh, where I got coaching from a whole host of senior people. Mm-hmm many of whom, by the way, were leaders in the war, like they had got their training through the military, so there was a fair amount of military military principles applied to the uh, coaching we got. That's right. And particularly the HR side. In terms of uh, team building and so on, I like to think it's one of my strengths, and for sure I've learned the importance of focus which means clarity of purpose. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody that can lead anything if they can't be clear in articulating the purpose of whatever it is they're doing. They're trying to do. You know, like it's just so elementary. And yet I see it all the time, people mm-hmm. doing things and you think, really, you haven't figured out what you're trying to do yet. Mm-hmm. And you're, how can you get other people motivated? No. So you've got to have clarity of purpose. And, and then you've got to have a way of demonstrating your personal commitment to whatever that is, that goal or that purpose. And that has huge implications for the team. People look to the leader mm-hmm. to see where he's going mm-hmm. and how committed he is to attaining the goal. Yes. And that has its very positive effects on teams. And I'm very big on the fact that... Uh, uh, team building is probably the most important attribute in business. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that today because we hear a lot how important uh, all that HR and and um, you know working together and uh, in biz- in the business world and and keeping uh, the team together. So you're a man to be known as the very frank and honest, and and you consider yourself a leader. You've had uh, a life of accomplishments, and I just want to read this quote uh, in your book. Uh, A life of accomplishments is a full life of which work is an important but small part. And at the beginning of the book, Gary had quoted uh, Mark Mark Messier's book, uh, No One Wins Alone. Right. And like you said, that team and being that leader and being able to demonstrate that uh, is crucial and right. uh, in, in, in getting everybody to buy in. If, if Mark Messier hadn't used that, we probably would have used it. <laughs> you would have thought of that it, one first. It, 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 <laughs> no one wins alone is, is a very, very appropriate thing. And I, I saw him being interviewed uh, when he was retiring from, from hockey, and he was asked whether or not he was going to go on to be a coach. And he said, no, I have no ambition to do that. And they said, why? And he said, well, I've been in the leadership position as captain for whatever, 12 years or 14 years. Yes. He said, I'm just too tired. He said, people don't understand if you're the captain of the team. I have to spend my time getting to know every player, mm-hmm. what makes them tick, what's going to cause them to get better, 
And he said, that means I have to spend a lot of time with these guys. That's right. And he said, I just, I've done it. I don't want to do it's that It's a tiring anymore. game. Yeah. It's so, a tiring game. It's, so. it's those relationships. They take time and getting to know the people. Well, this has been amazing, Don. And I wish we could have like an hour, two hour long podcast, but uh, let's leave it for your readers and uh, to go out and buy this beautiful book that I'm looking at. And it's called Business, Get It Done, Have Some Fun written by Gary McDougall, and um, they will be available online or they can purchase them at Mill River. So thank you so much, Don, for uh, for being our guest today, and uh, it's been a pleasure, and uh, we wish you all the best uh, with your book, your book launch celebration in, in Charlottetown, and uh, we look forward to uh, maybe even seeing another one. <laughs> with all the juicy stuff with all the juicy stuff Don <laughs> thank you so much it's been a pleasure today Don okay thank you very much upcoming chamber events back to business breakfast mixer will be on Thursday September 29th with Alfred Arsenal a provincial credit union and he'll discuss an economic outlook for the fall and for 2023 sign up online and until next time uh, join our next ep- episode with Busy in the Sticks Let it breathe, if it doesn't breathe, it's gonna die Let it see, if we let it be, is it gonna fly? Set it free, and if it leaves, we say goodbye Where we weave, and then we grieve, and then we cry I wanna tell you before I forget